You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. A slightly less manic week this week than last, but still plenty to get our teeth stuck into. We'll be talking the County Championship, the IPL, the Charlotte Edwards Cup. We'll be previewing the blast that starts this week and hearing from England newbie Matty Potts and much more. I'm Yaz Rana and with me today is former England batter Mark Butcher, the editor-in-chief of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, Phil Walker, and the magazine editor of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, Joe Harmon. Let's start with the county championship. The Division 1 table is beginning to take shape. Every team in the top division has played six matches as we go into the blast. Hampshire closed the gap to Surrey last week with a resounding win over Somerset. Somerset were bowled out for just 69 in their second innings. Keith Barker taking six for 27. But you like Keith Barker, don't you? Well, I mean, it's fantastic, isn't he? He said, no, that, last week I was thinking that he's having a, a really great summer. England have got a million and one uh, uh, injuries to, to their, their quicker bowlers. Um, yep, he's 35 years old. He's got nearly 500 wickets at 24 over the course of his career for, for Warwickshire and Hampshire. And he swings it like, like an MF. So, um, look, he's in, he's in terrific form. If, you know, if it more, any more of England's bowlers fall over dead, you know, he would do, you'd do a lot worse than, than have him come in and plug a gap for you for a, for a test match or two while the others, uh, while the others get well. That was, the, that was medium fast, yeah. by the MF, way. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the kind of the unashamed chat about you know we're just picking the team that might win us the game that does open the door right to a to a, to a veteran particularly with the younger fast bowlers going down by the day it seemed over the last it, couple of weeks absolutely it does and you know I've spoken about it enough with the with the batters and there are one or two sort of old gnarly pros who are, who are throwing their hands in the air like they just don't care at the moment um, in the run making stakes and yeah I mean why not I mean. The, England have done it before. I was sort of my mind is casted back to um, Martin Bicknell finally getting a, a, a bit of a run after after however many years it was, like fourteen years between Test matches for him, wasn't it? And he, he was instrumental in England 
drawing that series with South Africa back here at the Oval in 2003. Bowled magnificently. You know, it wasn't a pick for the future. No, it was not the case. It was a pick to try and win a test match at the time or try to get back into a series. And that's exactly what he was able to do. And somebody like Barker might be able to do a, a similar thing, um, you know, should England lose another another bowler. And it would be, you know, be just rewards for, for somebody, I suppose, who's sort of bumbled around county cricket, the sort of the... the, the um, you know, as a proper journeyman of the game, he really understands what he's doing. Um, has never really had his name up in lights before. Um, but but it might be one of those. Might be the time. His record uh, is stunningly good over over many years. Yeah, Average well, is twenty eight with the bat as well. Yeah. You know? yeah. And in a season where people aren't getting many wickets, he is still taking lots of wickets at a really good and he average. Bats. Yeah, and he bats. I guess another one who we might talk about later is Toby Rowland Jones having a really good season as well. Yeah, he won that game on day four, didn't he? At, yeah. at Lords. So is it four wins from six, Hampshire? Is that right? Yeah, they're just below Surrey in the table. They got yeah. yeah heavily beaten by Surrey, but otherwise they've gone gone pretty well. So, so how do you feel about your money, Joe? A little bit smug actually. Yeah, uh, obviously Surrey are looking good, this, but I, obviously I picked Hampshire, uh, and I had not some Middlesex for promotion in in the magazine preview as well. Yeah, so, so Hampshire early got, days. I mean, any mug could have called that one, but no. yeah, sure. <laughs> not maybe. I don't think Middlesex were were a gimme at all. All right, start of the season. all right. Hampshire, yeah. Have won four out of six and they're in second. Surrey have won three out of six and they're fir- they're in first. There are a couple of quirks like that in the table. Like North Ants haven't actually won a game yet, but they're fourth bottom ahead of Somerset, who won two out of six. So you get lots of points for draws these days. Um, just well, and 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 batting points. That's as well, true. Don't that's forget. True. Yeah. Yeah. Without wanting to go too too deep into it, it has been a really good uh, six or well, seven seven weeks. Um, obviously, you've played six over seven. It's been a really good round of games overall. Again. Peculiar results, very unpredictable. Somerset looked sunk after two or three weeks and then won two or three in a row. Looked like they were really bubbling nicely and then got, as you say, stuffed by Hampshire. Um, and Lancashire as well, who looked like a very good side. Essex go up there struggling and then turn them over by an inning. So it's been, a, it's, it, as ever, in the top division, okay, not all of these sides are equivalent level, but anyone can beat anyone on their day. Um, you are starting to see... Where the relegation dogfight will 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 stick, you know, Gloucester are going to be in there. I think, you know, struggling to hold it, hold, hold themselves together. Northampton also, but still, there is quality pretty much throughout. And and you know, as you say, Northampton, you know, they're hanging in there. They don't have a bowling attack that's going to take twenty wickets too often, but they have a lot of spirit and they're sticking in there as well. It's been interesting to see it. Really, really, really good gripping cricket again. You know, some Ball, of its hard graft. Balls aside. Which, yeah. have, which have been a been a bit of an issue, but pitches have pitches have been better. Yeah, I, I think there's absolutely no doubt. I mean, how many games have we seen? There've been maybe one around whereby you know the game's been over in a couple of days, but by and large, games have been going into the fourth day. You look on on the live feeds and whatever, and, and the pitches have all kind of uh, are much closer to, uh, to to biscuit coloured than they are to uh, to the som. Yeah, um, and you know we're, we're seeing we're seeing better cricket as a result of that. Yeah, totally. Any any given. Thursday to Sunday, it feels like that now, you know, and and look, it, it's derided and we don't need to go down that dull old road because we know all the reasons why. But if you're looking for a sporting event that you don't really know from one day to the next what's going to play out from one, you know, between two two sides, then this is what you're getting. This is what you're getting every single time now, really, in the, in the top div. Well, Warwickshire is a good example of that. Reigning champions, they're in sixth place and no one's really commented because no one's surprised by that mm. particularly. No one's been surprised they'd be leading the way. No one would be hugely surprised if they were down the bottom. Um, I think their bowlers have really struggled uh, a lot of 
bowlers have struggled so far this season, but there's in particular in a couple of injuries too. Um, but they're getting loads of runs. Sam Hain, I think we had a question about him. Yeah, we we'll, get- we'll get to Sam Hain slightly later. Just just on how the start of the season has gone. This time last year, we were talking a lot about how much we liked the conference system. Now we're back with the two divisions. Do we think this has been good? This is the way to go. At the end of the season, of course, we didn't like it very much when we saw Division 3. Like everyone um, else, we're flip-flopping wildly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, was, it, was the be- it was the best way to do it last year, but... I don't think there's any argument that kind of having having if you're going to have a divisional system that two two is the way to go um, home and away. You know the, the conditions are everything, aren't they? That, that's it's boring to to keep going on about it, but the conditions make the game. Exactly. If the game if the conditions are good, then then the players go out there and, and paint the pictures. What you don't want is the conditions dictating the type of players or the type of the type of pictures that are being painted, and that's what we've had. And at the moment, Surrey and Hampshire are out there on top. There, there's been some been some good stuff in, in Division 2 as well, but Notts and Middlesex are, are looking very, very strong in comparison to the rest. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's been a, a really good really good six or seven weeks. I think the question is what, what state are a lot of these cricketers, particularly the bowlers, going to be? And it's been great to watch, but I think Gloucestershire, were, were, they've had a lot of injuries, had to get a bunch of loans in, um, which I think that's quite an interesting thing in itself, actually, that what they did with a bunch of loans coming in, I think they might have to bring some restrictions in there because if you can do that for a one-off game, that could have quite a big bearing on a finale of a season. But So, you know, it's been good entertainment. Matty Potts has had a stunning start to the season, taken bucket loads of wickets, but he does potentially go into a test debut, having bowled a lot of overs in quite a short space of time. Now, <laughs> that could be a good thing. He's, he's bowling fit. But you just wonder what wear and tear that has that has put on, particularly these young quicks. And we've just, as yeah, as discussed, we've seen them just dropping like flies recently. Well, at the start of the season, when Stuart Broad didn't play at least the first round of the game for Knots, he wrote in his column that missed the first two, I think. First two, he? yeah. He wrote in his in his column that well, if you're planning on playing the first test of the summer, you don't play six first class games in a row before that. That's what Matty Potts has done. Um, going back to that Hampshire game, Anurin Donald, a uh, good story there, who's basically been out with injury for two years, scored a really important 57 for Hampshire in their first innings. When he was 19, he's now 25. He eagled the fastest double hundred in the history of first-class cricket whilst at Glamorgan. Do you know we brought that one up with a six for each milestone, 100, 150 and 200. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he's bad. a really talented player. Yeah. He also made, a, didn't he make us 80-odd from number eight or nine, I think, in his first game back? Yeah. So yeah, really good to see. Uh, he's obviously a long way away from from re-establishing himself as one of the best young players around. But as a talent, he's he's really good. Weirdly, I watched a bit of a second team game uh, earlier in the year. Sorry, what happened to you? Sorry, this sorry, is... Hampshire. It's 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 contract work, Joe. You know the way it works. <laughs> and and he made a hundred in about an hour, and just on a completely different level. There's not much of him, but he's a natural timer and he hits the ball quite a long way. So hopefully he gets a run in the T20 stuff because he's a good player. Phil, we didn't really talk about Dan Lawrence last week in relation to the selection stuff. I was going to say that his 100 against Lanks was a, a timely reminder of what we can do, but I guess it wasn't really because a timely reminder would have been the week before they picked the squad. Either way, big win for Essex and a big week for him as well. Yeah, I mean, from Lancashire's perspective, yeah, they've got a, they've got a really good side. They're playing well. Uh, they've got a really good setup, full stop up there, you know, and they really pri- prioritise four day cricket. Uh, and it was a good track. Essex batted first, um, held themselves together on day one, 
Um, and Lawrence was a bit skittish, believe it or not, for the first 10 minutes and was then genuinely brilliant after that. And it's, it's as well as I've seen him play in a long, long time. Uh, Parkinson bowled nicely in the afternoon. Uh, he picked up Wesley just after lunch and uh, Toby Bailey bowled very well with the new ball. But it, come the end of the day, honours were pretty much even. I think Essex was something like 270-280 for seven. Um, and just without dwelling on Lawrence, it had many of the components that make him simultaneously compelling and infuriating because, as I say, as a, as a ball striking innings, it was excellent. And he was controlled against the spinner in particular, albeit it's on day one. But he was also on 99 and he took a suicidal run to get to his 100 and ran out Rossington, who was playing quite nicely for 20 odd. And then Harmer comes out and he nicks off to the new ball in the final over a day for naught. So they've, they've gone Essex from being five down to seven down, all on the, the, the basis of Lawrence's compulsions, right? And this is what makes him so watchable and far from a sure bet. And this is why he wasn't really a part of the conversation too much last week. Not just because he's been unlucky with the injury. So hamstring out for two or three weeks and also runner in this innings again when it twanged. So, yeah, it's obviously an ongoing problem. But he also wasn't really a part of the conversation because because you don't, we still don't know. He's, he's an enigma and, and, and it's hard to really commit to Dan Lawrence if you're an England selector or if you're the England coach at the moment. I mean, he has some talent. Well, that, on his day, that knock, no in, doubt. that knock in the Caribbean, the conversation would be quite different around him if he'd got, what did he end up in the Caribbean? 91. 90. Yeah. If that had been 100, even though you know it's only a handful of runs, I think it, he would be perceived quite differently. He would be a, an England player, a young player with a Test 100 behind him. <laughs> exactly what exactly what you're talking about was the, was the way that ended, wasn't yeah. it? Was the la- last ball of the day, just put the man in there at short extra cover. He'd hit two imperious drives for extra and he tried to do it again and just chipped it straight to him and yeah. fell on a heap, fell, fell in a heap on Literally, the floor yeah. and couldn't drag himself off the field. It's, and it's that impetuousness, I suppose. Yeah. That sort of, um, you know, the willingness to kind of to go out there and take risks, but also that sort of like the, the lack of judgment, perhaps, in terms of, you know, some days you just... Indeed. Just play the, play the percentages, make, make your runs, come Indeed. back and go again tomorrow. Type it's, it's, it's worth pointing Sorry, Joe, very briefly. It's worth pointing out that he, he's 24-year-old. He feels like he's been around for a long, long time, but he started as a child. So he is still... He's played a lot of cricket, but he's got a lot of cricket to play. Um, and you don't feel he's, he's a million miles off. If he can tighten up defensively by a few percent, and if he can just rein it in by a few percent then I think England will look at him again some point down the line. England have a few players who feel a lot older than they actually are. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence and Pope Crawley, they're only a Crawley, year older than Brooke. They are. Which very, played very a lot young. of cricket. They're very, very, you know, the interesting thing for me about all of this, is it, and it's only it's just kind of pinged into my head because it's a conversation that we're having, is that, in again, if you look at, if you look at it, maybe to, to the subcontinent, um, it, more so than, than perhaps, uh, you know, Australia and, and South Africa, but the, the, their young players come in as sort of prodigies, and they kind of it feels like they're ready to go as soon as they get they, as soon as they get picked. With our guys, they kind of they have so much polishing. There's so much polishing left to be done, um, and some of them are you know are able to score to keep their heads above water long enough in the you know in the in the glare of the, of the Test match arena in order to work it out while they're in there. But more often than not, our guys come in find it unbelievably difficult and befuddling and, it, and the public go, well, what the hell is everybody talking about this bloke? He's hopeless, you know. 
you know they're not but you know they kind right. of but they struggle to the extent in in the public eye that they have to go away and they have to learn and more often than not it takes them maybe 3 4 more years before they come back as 26 27 28 year yeah. olds and have some sort of an idea of what they're doing i i i don't want to turn it into you know we interview you but i did think about you last week when i was writing about crawley actually and i remember a line that you said years ago it took me 40 or 50 test matches to really feel like not exactly cracked it, but that you knew you knew your game, how to get through Test cricket. Well, Am I, I misquoting so, so you? I play, no, a little bit. Yeah, miss. So I played twenty-seven in the first up until um, you know up until I was left out after the quite rightly so after the South Africa tour of ninety-nine, two thousand. Tough tour for everyone. That <laughs> yeah, tough. <tour>. In many <laughs> two ways. for four. Um, first morning and um, you know so I played twenty-seven Test matches. You know, ten of which I, I probably shouldn't have been in the team. Anyway, you know, that was kind of like, was picked as a, as a spare batter on tours with no real thought that I was going to be in the starting 11 and then somehow ended up in the starting 11 for whatever reason. Um, and then, so, I, and then after that came back as a 20, where are we, 2001, so I would have been 28, just about to turn 29. And, and the difference that it made from being 24, I think, when I made my debut... That five years of, of having gone away and done whatever I did with my game and also just being a little bit older, a little bit wiser made an enormous amount of difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, mainly, to, perhaps, mainly perhaps to the mentality that it wasn't, you know, I think you can build, build the whole thing up as being kind of like, this is the pinnacle and it has to happen right, right now. And if it doesn't, it's a massive failure. I think when I came back the second time, it's like, well, I've been, I had that bit, the excitement of that bit's gone now. Now is okay, watch the ball score runs for the team type yeah. thing. It becomes less of a less of a focus upon yourself and your own performance than it is about what you're there to do. Um, and it took a little while for that to, to sink in. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's exactly the same as the young guys now. Well, who, are, who are a damn sight more talented than I <laughs> All of whom as well have been dropped and have come back. You know, Pope, Crawley, Lawrence, even just in their very short, nascent careers, they've all Bowling been dropped. Bowling-wise, Don Besswell, still only 24. Yeah, this is, I, think, I think we need to be very mindful of just putting a line through these players' names. And the other thing with Lawrence, I think he, can, he might feel quite a way away from the side now with Brooks' emergence and Pope getting that slot at number three. But thinking about some of the flaws potentially in his game, about being a bit impetuous, a bit played with kind of compulsion... I think those things are things that Stokes and McCullum are going to be quite sympathetic to. They they are that they both played in a way that they will understand where Lawrence is coming from. Stokes suffered a lot from that early in his international career and learned how to play sensibly. So I don't think other perhaps more conservative-minded England think tanks might think Lawrence is just not the way to go. With Stokes and McCullum, they might think this is the sort of guy that's actually worth pers- persevering with and seeing how it develops. Um, and that's an exciting thing, not just for Lawrence, but for players of that type that hopefully we can look forward to that of English cricket over the next few years, like we've seen with the white ball side. Think Ian Bell, right? Think Ian Bell. Ian Bell plays, you know, his first significant series. You know, obviously he played the two test matches against Bangladesh in the, in the 2005 summer and made, made 100 in his second test match. You beauty, you know, what a way to, to get going. He averages 17 in, the, in the, the Ashes winning series and made a pair, you know, in his last test match this summer. But... He was widely thought of as the best young player around and was the best young player around for sure. And he was also in a team that was a winning team. You know, but England, England from, 2000 and, from the 2001 Ashes onwards, or 2001 Ashes onwards, barring 2002, 
Ashes away from home beat everybody. So the team that Ian Bell was able to kind of, they went, okay, we're going to stick with this kid. He might not bat three, but we're going to stick with him. And he grew into the player that he was and he was surrounded by top, top players. <laughs> Our young blokes are coming into a batting lineup that cannot make 200. So, you know, it's, it's doubly difficult for them. Um, which is not to say that, you know, everybody is, is completely uh, immune to, to, to the axe and that there aren't players in county cricket who are making lots of runs who deserve their shot. But, you know, tone down the vitriol a little bit when, it, when, it's, when it's aimed at these young guys. G- going back to the Lancashire-Essex game, Yaz, briefly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Essex posted 300-odd three, and won by an innings at, at Old Trafford. In the real fortress, you know, it's, they've made it a very, very tough place to go and win. Uh, and again, you know, Sam Cook took a few, as ever, up front. They were 30 for five, and then the game was, was done by, well, two, 10 minutes into the fourth day. Um, Jimmy bowled on the first day. Uh, he bowled tidily with the new ball, but not massively incisively, and came back in the afternoon, um, picked up one wicket crazily. He had a sh- silly point in against uh, Nick Brown, the left-handed opener, and Nick Brown off the back foot punches it pretty much out the middle and it lands somewhere in Dane Villas and he sort of pops up and there, there's the ball in his hand. But he, he was lacking a little bit of nip, I think it's fair to say, on that first day. Um, and that was the only day that, they, that, that he bowled, as I say, because they lost by an innings. Um, I'm, I'm not putting a question mark next to Jimmy Anderson's name by any stretch, but it was... It was uh, Maybe revealing that he's possibly holding a little bit back, and also possibly looking for a little bit of little bit of rhythm. You know, you can you can bowl too much, as Broad said, but you can also possibly not bowl enough in the build up to a big game. Look, I'm as pleased as anyone that he's back. I think it'll be a fascinating piece of theatre when they announce it next week on the Tannoy Anderson from the from the Pavilion End at Lords. But there's pressure. Uh, but but it, it was interesting to watch him and the. Essex's players played him with with relative ease across that first day, but yeah, there's there's real there's real pressure on those two, and you know yeah. that, that that's this is nothing new to them, but it has come round pretty quickly, and particularly in the case of Broad, who was shouted so vociferously that it was an outrage that he was dropped. There is a pressure on him now, and and he's not had a great run in county cricket at the start of this year either, um, and England now desperately need them. It's not which one are we going to pick because we've got a whole stack of fast bowlers now. These two. There's a lot depending on them if England is going to start winning matches. So they might be nervous. It seems an odd thing to say for these guys at this stage in their career, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're quite nervous heading into it. Yeah, and there were days last summer where Anderson wasn't at his absolute best. There were the, the stats about his second innings performance where he, he didn't get many second innings wickets no, at all any. across no, the whole summer. I think where, where, when, the, when the game went down to, to the ball swinging the, the opposite way, um, you know, when, when speed through the air and, and you know, the pitch had sort of had all the moisture burnt out of it, particularly think back to the test match here against India um, in India's second innings, you know, which is why which is why the whole thing about the winter is so frustrating because I'm, I, I don't know if I've said this on the pod before, apologies if I have, but guaranteed if those two had been on that, had been bold, Antigua and Barbados, neither of them would be, would have their test matches careers still. I'm telling you now, both of them would have been either decided themselves or would have been retired. So, you know, we are where we are. And also just on the pitches we've had in England the last couple of years, they've been pretty flat, test wickets, actually. They've been more high scoring than they probably had been in the few years before that. 
Uh, obviously, in county cricket last year, the scores were really low, but test cricket, they were pretty flat wickets. Like the first test of the summer at Lords last year, England couldn't get De- Devon Conway out. I can't wait to see it, of declaration. I can't wait. It's going to be fascinating. I keep going mm. back to that spell that Anderson bowled in the in the Ashes, mm. that what? six over spell. At Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, we picked up one for one, but it could have been three for one. We had a catch dropped in the slips. And it was all of that life experience sort of bubbling into that that one moment you know and he, and he just he, he he dug deep and it was magical how many more has he got that's that's the the great question of the summer really Absolutely. and it may it may be that or it may be that who can say <laughs> going back to the county championship and on one of those young England players Zach Crawley scored a pair of 50s for Kent in a high scoring game at North Hants, uh, Kent's 519 played North Hants's 430. Another great game for Ben Compton, who scored 140 and 68 not out. He has uh, 878 first-class runs with a week left in May, uh, and he still might play a first-class game in May. He's in the uh, County Select 11 He almost squad. certainly will play that game. I guess the question is, yeah, will, will, it, it, be first will class? it be first-class? Yeah. Will it have first-class Have they not well? established well, that it is? Not because New Zealand are hoping to be able to fly some, some players in, in oh. and out, draft them in for preparation for the Test match, So which would which would discount. My guess is it's not going to end class. up being first-class. Yeah, That's brutal. It just doesn't suit the tourists, does it? Imagine if he scores 120. 20 odd in the first innings whilst the game still has first class status and they kind of get in Neil Wagner <laughs> with a day to go especially I remember you know after, Nick, I, I after think, Nick Compton was robbed of his thousand yeah. before made by the rain as well yeah. I, be I, too I think very... that that's complete nonsense you know I think the game, it's first class game and you know and, and the opposition have to put up with it I really do. I mean, I know I that. Agree. I know I in the in the agree. spirit of kind of reciprocal, you know, where everybody is trying to make Test match cricket the best you possibly can, and you're trying to help out, you know, Australia tried try to help out England by ha- allowing them to have players playing in in various competitions. You know, all of that. I get all of that kind of stuff, but surely it's incumbent upon the 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 visiting board to say to their to make sure that their players are ready and preparing for the Test match. It's not incumbent upon the home board to say, all right, well, we're going to change our matches from first class status because your guys aren't back yet it's a nonsense um, <laughs> yeah, Sur- Surrey, a Surrey 11 are playing or just finished Sri Lanka development 11 and I think they played Kent as well and, Hampshire, yeah. and you know I've actually watched a bit of that there's some really good young cricketers but a lot of them are making their first class debuts this summer that is a first class cricket match uh, if that's a first class cricket match then obviously this game a select 11 uh, it raises the stakes. It gives it some kind of credibility, uh, and it's it's ludicrous to think that it, that it might not be. I didn't know that you had such strong opinions on whether tour matches should be first class coming out. Just quickly on Northampton, a word for Luke Proctor, who we've not talked about this season at all. He averages 108 with a bat in Division One, 200s and 250s, and to he can his bowl. name so far, and he can bowl. He bowled really yeah. well here against Surrey. Yeah. Uh, at Headingley, Warwickshire recovered from 25 for three on the final day against Yorkshire, uh, still trailing by loads. They ended the game absolutely fine on 252 for three, unbeaten hundreds for Sam Hayne and Will Rhodes. Adam Lye turned up for Yorkshire. Harry Brook made 82. And Michael Burgess, the Warwickshire wicketkeeper bat, who's having a superb season, scored a crucial first innings 96. On the back of two hundred and seventies, Burgess. And he's in that select 11 as well. Yeah, he is, yeah. And and again, without throwing it too far down the line, you know, Ben Folkes has got the gloves. He's still getting going. You wait and see how that plays out. Johnny Bairstow may well just be batting five now for the next half a dozen to a dozen test matches. Uh, Joss Butler may not want to play test cricket, let alone be picked. So, 
again, you never know. You know, 270s and a 90 odd, and he's a good keeper as well. They like him a lot there as a keeper. If Michael Burgess leapfrogs Ben Brown, I'm <laughs> putting down my mic and just leaving. <laughs> we rise. That's it. <laughs> Sam asks... That is as niche a comment as we can get on this ever <laughs> oh, niche no, show. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's right, at least half an hour to go. Uh, Sam asks, is Sam Hayne in the conversation for the England Test team a different Sam, I presume? If not, why not? 13 first-class hundreds, averaging the best part of 40 and can bat long. Uh, anyone want to answer that one? I thought that was an interesting email that came through and I went and looked at his record because he's one of those players, when he first burst through, so he scored what? 800 runs, four four tons in 2014, this was. So he was, what, 17 or 18, 18 at the time? 18, yeah. So a stunning start to, the, to his career, and he's had good seasons, but he's a classic example of someone who hasn't been able to stitch it together. So, you know, his average is a 34, 53, then he's got a season of 18, 36 last year, and now he's 81 this year. I think you've got to kind of have at least two in a row to really be considered a, a, a genuine option or at least you should be these days perhaps not so much when we're scrabbling around a bit more he's also I think suffered a bit from uh, a kind of identity crisis in terms of perception because he's got that ludicrous one day record still the highest average of any list day player I ever think, I don't think he's played a game since yeah, that was and might never again yeah. uh, he played no, a bit. That's, that's that record uh, it carved in stone isn't it <laughs> yeah. he's, he's also got that frankly um, preposterous um, uh, mullet hairdo um, <laughs> until such time out of the question out of the question <laughs> there you so go where well, does that leave Rory B well, yeah. he's gone as well I mean I, <laughs> what, what is going on there no no I mean he, I think he, I like him as a player yeah. he, he um, reminds me a bit of Trotty he's got that little sort of shuffle forward and whatever and, uh, same bat sponsor <laughs> you'd know that Joe yeah <laughs> um, go there again so yeah I mean he's there are, there are you know there, there, as always in, in an 18 team county championship there are always options there are always people out there who are, who are making runs or have made runs and kind of go a little bit underneath the radar um, and he's another one who is younger than people might assume because he's been around so he's only, he's only 26 and, like. and also plays and I think sorry the email might have even said this plays in a manner that might appeal to a test side who struggle to bat time as well a, a bit different to the other stroke makers who we know are going to feature mm. Um, and kind of related to this, Matthew asks, regarding England selection, why is having one massive season valued higher than averaging around 40 across numerous seasons, i.e. Sam Robson? Um, I think that's an interesting question because we've, I definitely said in the past in the show, oh, they've not had a big summer. I, I think the reason why I kind of hold that against a player is if you're averaging about 40 across lots of different summers, you're probably only scoring one or two hundreds a season in the county championship and I think if you're only scoring maybe like one and a half hundreds a season over 10 to 14 games I don't think you're going to be scoring many test hundreds I think that's basically why I I, I mm. don't I think you do need those massive seasons um, the, the, players, the players who are good test batters dominate county cricket really and I think if you've never shown that you can do that I think there's still that question mark. It's a good point, though. The essence of the question mm. I agree with, and we're as guilty as anyone else that you can get caught up on these bandwagons because well, I just someone's... picked Michael Burgess. That's a great example. But to, to counter to counter that, though, I mean, you know, Rory Burns eventually got picked after what five, six seasons of banging out over a thousand runs a season when when very few other people did that. Dom Sibley is another one who consistently makes runs and has, has been picked. So there are. There are, as always, there are exceptions to the rule. Um, but I guess both of those guys did have a massive season. Yeah, they did. The year before they they did. So, so basically, the answer to the question is: is that not only do you want to be sort of you know having a, 
a nice sort of mean of around about 40, preferably 40 plus. But you also want to be, be to show that you're capable of knocking out the odd 50 or 60 as well. And that's so, yeah. So, so the answer is you need both. Yeah, this is go. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those one-off seasons, they do become legendary. You know, they're part of the, the, the fabric, if you like, of talking about English cricket. And, and we, David Fulton is the classic example. And uh, Joe's interviewed him and, and he's worked with us actually here and there. Obviously, he works a bit at Sky now. He, he, got, top, me my first, he got me my first work experience Did here, he? Dave Fulton. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. The suit, we used to call him when he used to work around it. But anyway... Um, he had that one year, I think 1,700 and something rounds. It was 2001, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And he was very close to playing in that test in that Ashes series. It I was, think, you I nicked his spot, you, you didn't you? Just, yeah. You, well, you, were, was, you were naughty, but you was, weren't too naughty. He was, yeah, he was, you, he was you, actually you played picked. That game. He was picked for the 2001 head in the test match. Yeah, indeed. Mm. Indeed. Um, and then and then wasn't. Yeah. And then was but, un, but his, was his record His record was ex- beyond inadequate and he says himself you know he was hanging in there as a shotless opener at Kent averaging mid-20s uh over a quite a long period of time you know and couldn't really believe that he, he was still there and he that year he just said you know sod it let's just see let's play a shot or two let's live a little and after that he made a thousand runs in three years after that as well, and and he ended up as a as a well respected and and, and very right, good. Him and Keezy that year, but scored yeah. scored, scored millions, and he was a terrific player. This was, was false. Indeed, he was. He was, but he just. He, didn't I tell you know what, it. he would he would. Yeah, now piss it in now. Yeah, absolutely, because he'd bat time and Keezy. Both yeah, of them. yeah, indeed, indeed, and and you know l- loads of others. Ed Smith's another good example. He ended up playing a Test match or two on the back of this sort of marvelous run, and so ideally, you score lots of runs over a long period of time, of course, and we don't fall into that trap too much of just bigging up the next big name because they've had a good few weeks. But there's also that argument to say when you are right in the sweet spot of your career, and everybody knows that even the the, the finest players go through significant peaks and troughs. If you're right in that sweet spot, then then it can be, become a very compelling case. Yeah, you're also you're also reliant a little bit on on what's going on around you, aren't you? I mean, yeah, you need a bit can, of luck. You can, you know, if the batting lineup is is the uh, is circa ten eleven, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're not getting in. But um, you know, sometimes the, the the stars align and you and the place opens up, and there you are when you're in in the peak of form. In Division Two, Middlesex and Notts, as we previously mentioned, are opening a little bit of a gap with the rest of the division. Uh, more runs for Sam Robson. He scored an eighty four uh, for Middlesex against Durham, as we mentioned earlier. Toby Roland Jones. Took wickets eight, took a six for threatened to take all ten at one point at the first five. Did you um, see some of the catches in that game? No, I didn't. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Robson as well, actually, at second slip. We took a couple of we took one worldy, a classic, diving left hand, you know, inch from the floor, but he took another one other very good catch. And John Simpson, the keeper, took a brilliant catch as well as Ronan Jones just ran through Durham. And again, you know, just quality cricket, quality cricket in the sunshine on a Sunday afternoon. You know, it was it was impressive, and it's a proper good win again. Yeah, and there's another very good win for for Notts over Derbyshire as well. Good Derbyshire side are doing well at the moment. Uh, more runs for Duckett and Hamid, who almost scored a runnable hundred in the second innings of the chasing one sixty, having posted a um, hundred last week. Yeah, Jack Haynes scored his third hundred of the season for Worcestershire in their comprehensive win over Leicestershire. As mentioned earlier, we had the announcement of a 12-man squad for the County Select 11 that will play New Zealand at Chelmsford. Uh, basically, 12 guys who aren't required to play in the blast over the weekend who are good Red Bull cricketers. Uh, Lancashire's Jack 
Blatherwick, Burgess, Ben Compton, Ben Gibbon at Worcestershire, Nick Gubbins, Tom Haynes, Lyndon James, Ryan Patel, Liam Patterson-White, Jamie Porter, Ollie Robinson and Dom Sibley. So that's a pretty strong outfit. So we've not talked about Liam Patterson-White that much this season, but he's low-key had a very good start to summer after a good couple of years for knots. Got a couple of fifers, averages about 24 with the ball and combat as well. Um, so he's one to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, just a bit on New Zealand. Trent Bolt is expected to miss the first test. Uh, is he's, he? Yeah, he's, he's gone far in the ice. Oh, you beauty. He's, he's, <laughs> his Rajasthan Royal side are going far in the IPL. The other New Zealand guys who play in the IPL will be back. Another injury doubt is uh, Henry Nichols. Um, I think he's got a calf strain, so he's a bit of a race for him to, to regain fitness for the first test match. Uh, Neil Wagner is joining the squad late to attend the birth of his second child. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Joe, what's your moment of the week? Uh, my moment of the week came through actually just after we had done our last podcast. And given the interview you did, very interesting interview you did with that, about stress fractures, uh, which felt very prescient. And, you know, it all added up. Joffre Archer out for the summer. Um, worryingly, no time frame on his recovery. It's pretty bleak stuff really um i mean kevin peterson's immediately saying he thinks he'll never play a test match again peterson says a lot of stuff but i think in in this case it's a it's a reasonable point to make not that he will never be fit enough to play another test match but we are getting to the point where the bloke is going to have to make some decisions and he's obviously he's about the most lucrative t20 cricketer in the world certainly most fast bowler will he decide that test cricket is a race that is too too far to run and it would be really sad if that is the case we've still other than a few glimpses never seen the best of him as a test fast bowler it's, I was just thinking the other day how upset everyone not everyone a lot of people were with him saying that he's not worth his place in the side writing him off as a test cricketer how many of those people would be desperate to see him playing now I mean he was still a, a young player learning his craft in, in that format uh, and it would be very sad if we don't get an opportunity to to see him um, and another example, it all backs up what, what um, sorry, I've forgotten the expert's name who spoke to uh, Pete Orway. Yeah. Talking about this idea that Archer might not have bowled a huge amount of overs compared to some fast bowlers of yesteryear, but those rest days he's had just don't really exist. He plays every month in one country or another, in one format or another, and his body obviously doesn't have time to recover. And England will be criticised for the way they managed him. Um, there are wider questions about how England are handling their fast bowlers given that they're all going down. But it, when a player is that good, you want him to play. It is it's a, it is a really tricky one. There were certainly games where he bowled too many overs in test matches. But is that the reason he's got a stress factor or is it just because he plays cricket all the time? Well, I think, I think the stress factor could be because of the elbow injury. So he's just not played. Body's not hardened. Because, yeah, he's, yeah, he's just he's not played not, for not, ages. But, so you go, you go back to it and something else breaks down. Yeah, and, you know. so, so I, I kind of think that it's obviously really sad. But because it's a different injury, I'm not as concerned. If it was a if it was his elbow again, then I think, then yeah. He, but because it's a different injury, I remain quite optimistic that he will play test cricket again and hopefully within a year or so like 
I think it being different and a different injury means it's not as concerning. Mm. And I'm sure they are, but I really hope Ben Stokes and, and McCullum now are, are speaking to him regularly, keeping his mindset in that format as well, that that feels like a legitimate career path still for him. <laughs> He's another one that's only a baby as well. I mean, it's kind of, you know, the, the, because, because of the fact that we have 24-7, 365 days a year cricket, these, these players, they get old in our minds much faster than they used to because they're just on all the time, you know. The seasons just fly by because there's no anticipation of when the next one starts. So it's very easy to kind of get into get into your head that oh my you know Archer's been missing for for years and years and years and he's probably you know he's getting towards the, the end of or getting towards a time where he's going to start making these calls. I don't think he's anywhere near that yet. Well, he was a and kid when he won the World Cup, wasn't he? And that was only three summers ago. Yeah, I mean, it, and it isn't it, this this isn't unusual. I know I've been reading one or two of the articles and all this kind of stuff, and there's you know there's some of the chat is that this has never happened before. I mean, again, a bit of the second time Bickers has come up, come out of my mouth. This, but in the early part of his, his career, he he missed. It felt felt like he was injured for about five years, Martin. And it was exactly the not exactly the same injury, but it was you know he'd get one thing would happen, then he'd come back and play a game, and then something else would go, and then it'd be something else. And it wasn't until he was probably in his in his sort of late late twenties that he was able that he was able to get on the park on a regular basis. And when he did, he was unbelievable. Um, you know, that's interesting and that's, that's, in my mind, I knew the latter part of his career. I never knew him being injured. I knew correct. him playing every he, single he, game. But as, a, but as a young man, he was injured all the time, all the time. Uh, and he and this is a guy who was unbelievably fit. Um, you know, worked really hard on it, on, his, on all aspects of his of his fitness and stuff. But just could not get to string two games together. There, there so is, it's not. This is not something that's just you know come yeah, out of the blue. Absolutely. It's exacerbated by the by the, by all the different formats and players playing twelve months a year for sure. But it, it but it's not something that's unprecedented. Mm. Um, well, Matt, Matty Potts is a bowler who's had stress fractures in the past and recovered well. Not only regaining his fitness, but putting on speed since. I spoke to Potts a few weeks ago before he won his first England call up. Here is that chat. How did you get into cricket in the first place when you were a kid? Well. I, <laughs> See, I, I used to muck about as a kid. I used to have loads of energy. Um, so I think it was something that my, uh, my parents used to be able to distract me with. Um, something that this, this young little lad that had loads of energy, um, bundle of fun, um, just go and whack, whack a cricket ball and uh, go and bowl it. And was nat- like naturally quite good at it. Um, and then they thought, oh, well, maybe it's worth pursuing this and just pushing them in the direction. Um, my granddad as well. He uh, was happy to push me in that direction as well. Um, so yeah, it was it, ever since being a small kid, that's kind of been pushed into me. Do you remember playing club cricket for the first time, etc.? What was it? Which club? Also, oh, I started off um, at Philadelphia, um, Philadelphia Cricket Club, a little little club um, in Sunderland. Um, I, I think I played might have been second team cricket when I was. Uh, oh, I think I was I was down to do scoring. I was in the scoring in the second team, twelfth um, man, and one of the lads pulled up and he couldn't play, so uh, I managed to get my first game in the in the second team there when I was about almost oh, been 12, 13 maybe. And that was my first introduction to like senior club cricket, um, which which was a harrowing experience as a youngster, um, being in a dressing room full of men um, yeah. and getting and and playing a hard brand of cricket, um, which pro- probably stood me in good stead going forward. And probably set me up for transitioning into into big, big, bigger and better things. Really, did you, did you play a lot of men's senior cricket um, in your teenage years? Then, uh, 
Yeah, I, play, I played quite a lot. Um, I actually started off as a batsman. Um, so I, I, I signed from Philadelphia. I wasn't getting any first-team cricket. And I wanted to try and progress uh, my game. So we made a move and I moved to Washington Cricket Club, um, which is just outside of Durham. And I was cracking on there. Started to open the bat in the first team. Um, scored my first 100 and it went from there, really. I played from, I think it was about 14 to 17 before I was taken into the academy. I played heavily a lot, a lot of club cricket and I still, when I get the chance and I'm not in the, in the Durham squads, I, I still play club cricket now. Mm. Um, try and give a bit of experience and a bit of knowledge to, to some, some club cricketers and some young lads that are coming through in the club set mm. When did bowling overtake batting then, if you're getting hundreds and all that? Well, my, da- my dad's six foot eight. So, hey, wow. <laughs> so, I think the coaches realised under 14 level that my medium pace might progress. Um, I, was never, I was never fast um, growing up. I was always medium pace, bowled a few, um, but loved hitting the ball, trying to hit sixes and whatnot. I was, had a decent eye for the ball. But they saw my dad's height and I think they've just gone, yeah, he can be a ball. Uh, if he takes after his dad, that's probably kind of how things went so I think that was when I was kind of almost pushed into that role like we're going to try and progress your bowling because we, th- we think you might have that like good attributes for it mm. um, and turns out that that got pushed into me all like all the way through bowling 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 yeah um, but operations to get to be a genuine all-rounder when did the speed come then because obviously you, you, you bowl sharp now high, high 130s kph when when did you realize that you were you, you could you could bowl quick um, I think I think when I first broke on um, to the county setup in 2017, I think I I realised I could bowl a little bit of his. Um, I was a little bit fragile then, uh, which my injury record from 2017 to 2019 is uh, quite eye opening. Like stress fractures, the, the likes um, really hampered me, um, which made me come back fitter and stronger. Which I think has progressed into having an extra yard of pace now. Mm. Um, so hopefully we can push 140s mm. oh, nice one I mean like stress fractures is something that affects so many young bowlers at the moment what what did you do if anything to kind of put that away if you've got a good recent uh, record with fitness uh, yeah uh, I, I honestly think that a lot of the time is actually spent in the gym um, I think you've almost got to fill your frame and it's almost a matter of time like some people fill into a frame when they're 17, 18 but for me, I didn't really fit into a, a good frame until later on, maybe when I was 21. Um, when I hit 21, I, I had a decent framework. I'd worked hard on my physical capabilities um, to, to almost fill that frame out. And it was something that was hard to do. Um, it, I mean, it took three years of solid work to get to where I am now, which is injury-free and, and quite robust. Um, so it, it all dep- depends on how young bowlers develop. Um, I think you see some of them that come through and they're really tall, skinny, and they get injured straight away. Um, and that's kind of part of the learning pro- process. Um, but I think now the modern game and the way it's going, it's drummed into them from an academy age group. So the academy boys at Durham, they're in the gym, 16, 17, in the gym. So hopefully they don't have the problems that the fast bowlers have kind of my my kind of generation, essentially, um, and the other ones before, it was just ball, um, and these injuries kind of happened. I guess you kind of made a name for yourself 
first in white ball cricket. You had a really good blast season. You then get 100 gig. Um, was that something that you, you made an active choice to pursue at the time? Or was that just, you know, the, the way the Durham team was set up at the time? You had lots of really good Red Bull bowlers. That's slightly harder to make a name for yourself than that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, that's a good question. Um, I started, so when I first came on, I, I got picked for my Red Bull um, in 2017. I broke through and I played a period of championship games and, and done quite well. Um, but like I said, tw- 2017 to 2019 was a very rocky time for me in terms of injuries. Um, we had a lot of like back problems, fitness issues. Um, I, I struggled a little bit mentally as well. I, th- I think the injury side of things took its toll. And I, I lost a little bit of confidence there. So when it came to trying to get in the Red Bull team, I didn't have the fitness nor almost the attributes in the, in the, the form to, to be in and to want to be in that team. Um, we had a lot of good bowlers at the time as well. So if you're not firing, you would be nowhere near. And I, I found that hard to break into that team. Mm. Uh, I think with injuries as well, it's much easier to get back into the shorter format, which is probably why I then broke back onto the scene with white ball. Um, just a shorter, sharper. There's less high workload. Like it's a, the workloads aren't as high. Um, and I think that's kind of why when it came to white ball, it's essentially that's how I broke through. Um, mm. And then I realised, look, I want to just be branded as a one-dimensional cricketer. Um, the, the pinnacle of, of, of what I want to achieve is, is ultimately an England test cap in the future. Um, we've seen Matthew Fisher prove that he is, is a great red ball bowler in, in the championship and he, he's went and proved that on test match level and got rewarded for it. Um, which it, that is an aspiration of mine. Um, so that's that's kind of when I knew that I needed to, to change and make sure I'm a three-dimensional player and I can play all formats of the game. Mm. Um, so I, I really took a, a mental approach to, to develop my red ball game. Um, and it didn't come, didn't come quick. It, it was probably a period of two years, three years. And I mean, even still learning now, I pick up things every day. Each, each spell is a learning curve uh, mm. in the game. And uh, the way these pitches have been, I mean, batsmen scoring almost record runs in, in April. Um, I'm sure I'm learning fast. Yeah, that's really interesting. So what were the, what were the things that you worked on for your Red Bull games? I'm just, you know, if you look at the bowlers that Durham have, I know you don't get to see the England lads maybe that often, but you've got Ben Stokes, Mark Wood, Brian Cast Bowls, Rapid, and, and Chris Rushworth. You've got, uh, you know, a genuine legend of county cricket. So you've got a lot of different types of bowlers there to, to learn from. Yeah, we, yeah. Honestly, so when I came on, I was a swing bowler. Um, I used to used to swing the ball quite nicely. Um, my action was quite heavily rotation based, um, so I would get like lovely away swing. Um, and then we changed my action, so I get slightly less swing. Um, but the things that I kind of worked on was speaking of rush, like to rush with, and rain about a wobble seam, mm. whilst also trying to take on board from Carsey, from Woody, from Stokey how they go about bowling fast spells um, and just watching them and how they go about it. Um, you just pick little bits from here and there. What can I, what can I use from that? Obviously, I'm a completely different bowler to, to say, Stokesy and Carsey. Um, but there's little bits in their game that you can kind of pick and apply to your own. Um, mm. and have that depth and, and fit, like in, in the field um, to pick, pick from and learn from is, is absolutely outstanding. And it's a, it's a great platform that I can learn from playing alongside these blokes. And it's a pleasure to share a dressing room with them. Yeah, you, you mentioned the flat wickets that you had at the start of this season. Your, your sixer against knots, I think, 
four of them were bold and you're getting good batsmen out. So, you know, you talk to Wood, Carr, Stokes, etc., about bowling quick. What, what in particular have you worked on to bring into your game to thrive on those pitches? Because there aren't that many bowlers in the country taking wickets at this time of the year. Well, these, these pitches have been a lot, a lot flatter than, than we have seen. Um, for, for April especially, and batsmen are playing really, really nicely. Um, I think the main thing is to extract whatever is in these wickets, whether it be variable bounce or a little bit of seam movement, if there is any. Um, you've just got to be hitting the pitch hard um, every spell, ball after ball. And that's something which I've, I've kind of had to learn. Um, you can't just go trying to ball the same ball, swinging, floaty, full, um, because you will get punished. These batsmen are punishing balls and putting us under pressure. Um, so you've just got to ball hard. You've got to hit the pitch as hard as you can. And that, I think that's something that the likes of Stokesy and Carsey and Woody do very well. Mm. So when you're bowling in Red Bull cricket, are you, are you overly concerned about your economy rate? Is that, is that something you're thinking about? I want to keep, keep it under three? Or are you just thinking about how, how can I get a good batsman out in these wickets? I, th- I think sometimes you can think about economy rate a little bit too much. I think, I think for me as a, as a bowler personally, um, I try not to think about it um, too much at the start, especially taking the new ball. Ultimately, my goal is to take take wickets. If if I go at four, four and a half and over in an opening spell, but I pick two or three wickets up in that spell, my job's actually done. And then later on, the spells during the middle when it's a little bit flatter, batsmen are getting themselves in. You can cut, you can crawl back that economy rate, and then apply another skill of keeping the economy rate low, putting the batsman under scoreboard pressure and then take wickets that way. Um, I, th- I think in an open spell, you want to try and put economy rate out of your mind um, and just focus on trying to tr- trying to make a few early breakthroughs, really. Have you enjoyed, I guess, the extra responsibility at the moment? There are a couple of senior guys who haven't been playing. Cast has been injured. Uh, Wood has not played yet. I mean, it's, you know, in the past, it's been a really hard side to get into. And now, do you kind of feel you have a bit more responsibility? And how, yeah, how's, how's that affected your game, if at all? Yeah, um, there, there's always competition. I mean, we've got a pack of, of eight, nine really good bowlers. Competition for places has never been higher. Um, but it's, it's, it's cutthroat. You, you've, got, you've got to want to be in that team. Um, and you've got to work your, work your nuts off to, to, to get in that team. Um, and that's something which I, I, I said to myself. I, I didn't make the first squad last year. Um, and I, I was gutted by it. Um, didn't quite make the cut. And it took me a while to break back into the team. Uh, I think it was like midway through the season uh, last year. So I said to myself, I'm going to be in that team. I'm going to force myself into that team. Um, and that's the kind of the approach that I'm going, going with. And I, f- I feel a little bit of responsibility. I mean, bestowed with the new ball. Um, that, that is to share the new ball with Chris Rush, with the club's legend. Um, that is, is, is really, really nice. Um, the, the responsibility is kind of... I think probably having a positive effect. A um, bit more responsibility. You feel as though you're doing a good job for the team. And that, that, that's, that's an ultimate goal for me. I, I want to perform for the team. And if I can do that, then it's great. Mm. Um, just going back to, to white ball cricket, you, you had that really good year um, in the blast and then get, get the 100 gig. What, what, do you think, what do you think your strengths are as a, as a white ball bowler? Um, well, I'm top and tail, really. That's um, that's kind of my role. Um, I, I have a few cutters. <laughs> Can't go into too much depth. I don't want to give too much away. But um, have, have the mix-ups. Um, but I think ultimately it's kind of being aggressive with it. You've got to be aggressive because if you're not taking poles, you're getting whacked. 
that is the nature of the beast, really. The way the game's going, these batsmen are finding ways to hit nearly every ball out the park. They can hit a 360. They can hit at the top of the innings, especially during the power play. And then at the back end, they're hurting. Need 20 runs to win off five balls that more than likely they're getting it. Mm. Um, that's that's kind of where us bowlers are having to develop and uh, learn fast. So I, I would say probably hitting the pitch hard and being being aggressive and try, trying to take balls early on. Um, how, how was your experience in the 100? Yeah, the 100 was brilliant. I had a, had a really good time with the Northern Superchargers. It was a, a, a great experience. I think a great tournament and it has it is a platform that hopefully it takes off as well I mean it took off great at the start um, and we'll see how it goes in the second year but hopefully it'll keep on going up and up and up um, and am I right in saying that you spent some time in Pakistan is that right for the PSL yeah I, I spent a bit of time over in Pakistan I was with Lahore Kalandas um, what, what was that like yeah that was good that was a, that was a good experience that was a learning curve um, obviously they go about things different um, and it's my first real taste of of working abroad, like working abroad, mm. uh, picking up how different bowlers from different countries go about their business, and um, playing alongside some absolute superstars, which is ultimately a boyhood dream. Mm. Um, be alongside them. Um, didn't get a game, but it's more the experience that I was looking at and what what, what I can take from it and learn from and apply it to my own game. Mm, so you had get some really big name players sharing a dressing room with, like Shaheen and all that. What, what was what was Shaheen like to share a dressing room with? Shaheen's great. He's, he's he's always one of those that takes the overly aggressive approach. Um, during the power play, he'll just go up batsman, just try and take wickets, and he is relentless. He probably won't mind me saying this, but uh, football's not a strong point. <laughs> In the Charlotte Edwards Cup was a good week for some quicks on the fringes of the England squad. Izzy Wong scored um, 45 not out at a strike rate of 160 and took one for 14 from her four overs in a win for the Sparks. Lauren Bell took a three for for the Vipers against Lightning, a haul that included Tammy Beaumont and all of the top three. Uh, there was an amazing game between the Sunrisers and Western Storm. Storm needed 15 off the last over with just one wicket in hand and they ended up winning it. Off the last ball of the game, they needed three to win. The ball was pushed for two to deep mid-wicket and then there's four overthrows to give them the win off the last ball. Uh, amazing finish. Teenager Grace Scrivens uh, had an incredible game for the Sunrisers, the losing side. She scored 56 and took a four for. Uh, Ailish Cranstone and 19-year-old Kalia Moore shared a 108-run unbeaten stand for the Stars against the Storm. Katie Levick took 5 for 15 in vain for the Diamonds against the Vipers. And Amy Jones biffed an 80 off 49 to carry the Sparks to a 24 win over the Sunrisers. Uh, the T20 Blast kicks off this week. Uh, a stellar cast of overseas Names awaits. You've got Carlos Brathwaite and Paul Sterling at Birmingham. Gloucester have got Nassim Shah. Uh, Tim David at Lancashire. Leicestershire have Naveen. Ulhak and Ramanella Gurbaz from Afghanistan. Majeebs at Middlesex. You've got Chris Lynn at North Ants. Dan Christian. James Patson at Knotts. Um, Sunil Narayan and Kieran Pollard at Surrey. It's Rashid better line up than 100, isn't it? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Let's Rash- be honest. Rashid Khan and Mohammed Rizwan at Sussex. You've got DJ Bravo at Worcestershire, Shadab Khan, Harris Ralph and Phil Allen at Yorkshire. So you've got some amazing overseas players uh, on show. I've asked uh, Joe, Phil and Butch to come up with uh, who they think are going to win it and some players to watch out for. Joe, do you want to go first? Um, for who's going to win it? Uh, I've gone with Lancashire. Um, you know, it, it was always a lottery with a blast, but you look at that lineup in in, in t- Tim David, Joss Butler, Liam Livingston... 
Uh, they basically got three of the informed T20 batters in the world, let alone this country. I mean, it is if they all are available, to, I guess there'll be international commitments at some stage, but they're not going to lose too many games with those three playing. Add in Phil Salt as well. Um, and a very, very good bowling attack. Uh, yeah, I, th- I agree I th- with him now. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're... No, no, you picked yours. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I think they're the team to beat. Anyway, you go for Lancashire for the Championship every year. You can't I do. go for the Blast. That is true. Who did you think was going to win it before Joe started speaking? Well, I think Surrey have got a very good side. Admittedly, I can't see past the end of my nose. But <laughs> having seen Will Jacks repeatedly hit it into the Thames yesterday. Yeah, and, 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 and Jason Roy doing obscene things against the bowling machine out there this yesterday afternoon. Uh, Jacks will open, I think, with... With Roy, um, that's that's a pretty impressive opening pair right there. And obviously to bring in Pollard, you know, a legacy player and all that nonsense. Um, Jamie Overton as well, you know, has really emerged. He, he can biff it at eight and will bowl heavy balls. Um, Reese Topley is probably one of the best left, left-arm left seamers around. Uh, Sonny so- Narayan. And Narayan, yeah, and Narayan will come and come and do his do his thing. Uh, so I think they're a very strong side. They've only ever won it once. I think Lancashire have only ever won it once as well. And 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 it feels like there's a bit of a glitch in the system that those two clubs and those two great white ball history clubs as well have only ever won it you know, once each. So I can see either of those sides going close. Also, I always pick Sussex to win it. And again, you know, Rashid Khan and Mo Rizwan. Mo Rizwan, I think, is the number one T20 batter in the world. If not, he's number two. And Rashid Khan's Rashid Khan. So, again, they'll, they'll go close as well, possibly. Butch? But I'm going for my mob. I mean, it was the, the, the moment of the week, going Pollard signing. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> as, well as, uh, as well as Evan Lewis's catch in that, in that ridiculous game, um, the Lucknow Super Giants against Colcutt. Uh, big shout out to Pommy and Bangor as well. I loved your work there. That was, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's difficult to look past that, but simply because you know, it, I agree with. It. I was going to say exactly the same thing that 2003 first first ever edition seems like a bloody long time ago, and I think that that injection of Trini power here at uh, at the Oval is going to is going to do wonders for Forum. So why not? Um, and and as far as somebody to look out for, I've kind of reminded of this because of obviously we're, we're down at Canterbury, Sky down at Canterbury on. On Wednesday to see the the champions, the defending champions play against Somerset, and it, uh, Jordan Cox's name popped up into my head mainly because of that that gravity defying catch he took down in front of the Hollies in, in finals day, but also because he's a he's very very talented ball striker who made um, runs in that final as well. Who made runs in the final as well. So I mean, he, he's somebody that you know perhaps is, is not one of the more eye-catching names but there was just something about his performance that day that sort of says there's, there's more to come from him very South-centric apologies uh, Joe? Um, my I had two a Birmingham Birmingham Bears duo um, Chris Benjamin who came through last summer smashed it on debut for Warwickshire and then was sorry Birmingham Bears and then was straight into the 100 and won a game on his debut there he looks like a sort of player that's just got it all in that in that format good Red Bull player as well by all accounts but I think he's on for something quite special. He's not forced his way into uh, Warwickshire's championship side this year. He's just played one game, which he did quite well in. So he'll be absolutely kind of champing at the bit to go. And then young Jake Bethel as well, who also hasn't got a game for Warwickshire yet this season, but uh, had a loan game at Gloucestershire, got some runs in that. Um, if he bats anything like he did in that, was it semi-final, quarter-final against South Africa, uh, he'll be scoring a few. And he's largely played for... Uh, 
Birmingham Bears as a kind of eight or nine, mainly as a spinner. So I'd really like to see him get an opportunity a bit further up the order. Um, he's a hugely exciting cricketer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mine is an ex-Birmingham Bear, if that's what, yeah, that's what we call him, um, who moved just across to Worcester where he began. Ed Pollock is a, is a bit of an outlier in English cricket. His strike rate is famously in the top 10 or so in the history of T20 cricket. Um, but he lost his way a little bit at Warwickshire, uh, didn't play a first-class game there at all, and went back to Worcester where he was on the academy and has started the season really well for them in Red Bull cricket. And he's made a, a runnable 100 and he's made some, some telling 50s as well, batting naturally. Uh, he will obviously open the batting in their, in their white ball stuff and, and he's not going to come off every week by any means, but when he does, it's going to be well worth watching. Um, he's the kind of cricketer that you root for as well. You know, he's got a lot of natural talent, as I say, he lost his way and he's gone back to where it all began. So it'd be nice to see him go well. And another couple of names, um, Jordan Thompson does really good things up at Yorkshire and no one ever really talks about it. But again, you know, he's, he's become a pedigree T20 player. He plays in the big bash. His record is, again, very good. His strike rate is extremely high compared, compared to everyone else around the world. And he bowls useful uh, medium pace swingers as well. Uh, and Tom Lamanby as well, who... Do you remember Tom Lamaby two years ago broke through from nowhere? He's going to open the ashes, isn't he? <laughs> three, three hundreds in five or six games in his first full season, having been in England under nineteen. Three hundreds in five games for Somerset during that peculiar COVID year. Made the hundred at Lords against Essex in the final. He looked brilliant. Last year he had the mother of all bad runs in Red Bull cricket, but then in July-ish he was batting six for Somerset in a T20 game and it was on the telly and he made a 40 ball 90 to win the game and it was all of the stuff that you'd seen and hoped for condensed into that that one afternoon and he surprised himself he was almost in tears at the end of it because of the, what he'd gone through and you know it was a binary run in Red Bull cricket it was agony for him anyway he's come back into the side in Red Bull cricket this year for Somerset and he's opened the batting with Renshaw they're going quite well and he's made some good scores without making some big scores but he's made I've seen him a bit of him and he made a very good 35 and that sounds silly but he's caught down the leg side here against Surrey for 30 odd and two 30s in both innings played, played very nicely he's a player again that you really want to go well he's 21 year old you know, England have looked, the England Lions setup have looked at him. Um, he's got talent and he's very elegant as well. He's a really good looking left hander. Um, reminds me a lot of Matthew Elliott, weirdly enough, but that's that's my own thing. Uh, and and again, it, I don't know if he's going to open or back in the middle order, but they start their campaign tomorrow evening, Somerset, and I'd really like to see him go well as well. You're Obviously, not going to go, so who's going to win? You're allowed to have an opinion on this. I mean, it lands on paper, but I find the Bloss so annoying to predict because it's just so based on availability it's, it's the worst question in the world to ask who's this going to win I don't know don't know like with Sussex everyone says they're going to win every season then Rashi Khan disappears for the finals day right, well, well, yeah, right at the end when it yeah, gets exactly. to the he's gone uh, and also England playing a lot of white ball cricket in the summer and yeah, I don't know you don't know who's going to be out so you ask us the question then you say it's a pointless question pretty much yeah <laughs> <laughs> mentioned on last week's show but I recorded this bit separately to the rest of them so you guys weren't in the room when I said this um, you can buy either a bottle of the Wisdom Pure Rye or a gift set which is the bottle and an accompanying glass it's good and get it's an really entry <laughs> and get an entry to a complimentary tasting session 
with the Oxford Artisan Distillery Head of Whiskey, Charlie Ecklin, and Mark Butcher. Whoa. But conspicuously not Phil or I. I noticed this. What's... Any explanation for this? You can join. I'm not, I'm no, not, not joining as well. Like, like, like Tiny <laughs> Tim. <laughs> looking out in the window. Oh, look at the... Um, it, the is on, it is on June the 9th. It has been previously advertised as July the 9th, it is, but it's on June the 9th uh, over Zoom at 7pm. Um, I'm not really sure what to expect. Do you, do you know who else is a fan of, of the Wisdom Whiskey Rye? No. Joe Root. Is he? Sent him a bottle uh, for his 30th birthday. <laughs> Number 66, of course. Oh, do we yeah. know he liked it or he's just got it? No, he sent me a message oh, on New Year's Day, <laughs> having had a bit of it with his wife the night before. Oh, lovely. Head to wisdom.com forward slash shop to get yourself uh, either the rye or all the gift set for the chance to be at that tasting session um, to, to spend an evening with Butch over Zoom. Um, anyway, Butch, what is your other moment of the week? Well, so Calcutta needed to win the game, didn't they? And they were chasing over 200. And uh, muscles, muscles from uh, from wherever. What's his what's his bloody name? Uh, Marcus Stoinis is, is is getting absolutely stuck through the ringer by Rinku Singh in the final over. I think he what even four sixes on the bounce. Twenty one needed from from the last over. So it can't have been four. And they it must got, have it, been they three. got it down to five from three. Yeah. So five two from sixes three. And just four. just just and he just kept bowling length and they kept disappearing. And Pommy's going nuts. The crowd's going completely berserk. And then Rinku just skews this thing off, you know, off outside edge, goes out over over the infield and cover. And Evan Lewis comes sprinting in from uh, from from the sweeper on the fence and and just throws himself, dives full um, left hand out and catches it sort of grass length from the from the ground. It's the most stunning catch under incredible pressure. Un- incredible pressure. And then, of course, wouldn't you believe it, the very next ball, Stoinis finds the Yorker and just rips the stumps out of the ground and that's it. Calcutta are done for, you know, a lot of people's pick for the, um, for the tournament out. Uh, and it was, it, was, it was a stunning over. I mean, if you haven't seen any of the rest of the IPO, just that one over was enough um, to, get you, to get you fixed from it. So that was, that was pretty much you know, encapsulating what the, the IPL can be. Um, you, you got, there was a question there, wasn't there? I saw it on, on a Twitter from, from somebody about, um, you know, why, why does he think that it, it's gone out of the, the general public's consciousness in the last couple of years, the, the IPL and, and the Big Bash and these other leagues? I think they have. And I think I was, I was trying to figure out why that might be. And I really think that it's been the lack of, um, the lack of engagement from the TV studios, you know, in order to get the conversation going, you kind of, you know, in the past when Sky first signed the, the IPL along, we'd, be, we'd do studios. And so, the, you know, KP would be in the studio and he'd be having a go, he'd be talking about franchising everything from his trousers to his socks or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but there were, you know, there'd be discussion points. You'd have, you know, the Mahela Jai Wardens in the studio and myself and Keith, we'd, you know, we'd have a row about whatever the moments might be. So even if you didn't catch the games, there was kind of an awareness and there was a conversation going on. And the Gives stuff it more credibility, doesn't it? The stuff would end up online and it would feel like people were part of it we were bringing our point of view i suppose to, to something that's going on thousands of miles away i think in the last two or three years where it's, it's basically just been you take the feed it, it gets it gets put on it's on every day exactly the same as it was um, you know even when um itv4 had it you know back in the early days there would be there's there's a sort of you know, that's happening over there, but we're watching it here and we're kind of bringing it to you and, and, and using all the, you know, bringing you all the discussion points from our point of view in the UK. 
And I think without that, it becomes very easy to kind of to, to ignore. Because that's the only, as far as I can see, that's the only thing that's different. In fact, we've got more England players there now than there ever were back when ITV4 had it. There are more England players now than there were in the first years that, that, that Sky had it. But yet that, hasn't, that doesn't make a massive amount of difference because in this country, people don't follow players, they follow teams, right? Um, and so, so without that, without, without the middleman, I suppose, of, you know, the pundit class or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, and, and without that sort of engagement that comes along with that, I think it's, beca- it's been very, very easy for people to ignore unless yeah, you're an I, absolute I nothing. It's, it's a really good point. Um, I'd also just add with the big bash, it's a, it's a, it's a double thing, really. One, it's on BT and BT have the same approach, uh, and we still, as a kind of cricket consumer nation, we don't still associate cricket with BT as much as we do cricket with Sky. Uh, so that's a bit of a hurdle that the Big Bash has to get over. And also, it goes on for so long. It goes on forever. So long. And the players even comment on that now as well. I mean, yeah. that, I think that has to change. And, right? and, and Australia are very concerned. Australia CA are very concerned about this anyway because even in Australia, numbers are down. Num- viewership numbers are down and attendance numbers are down. It's funny, isn't it? Because people people always warn boards about this sort of thing. Don't over-egg Don't do it. Don't overdo it. They yeah. always do it and then they go, oh no, the numbers are down. Yeah. Oh, how did that happen? Yeah. Nobody saw that coming. Talking of which, Nobody yeah. Nobody saw you... the Northern Ireland Protocol being a problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed also that you're using the, the podcast as a platform to pitch for more work with Sky. Um, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter now. <laughs> no, no, no. He's, it doesn't matter fine now. Don't worry about that. Um, but talking of which, you say there's a story coming out in the Telegraph regarding ticket sales for the Blast? Yeah. So not being as strong as they would be normally at this point in the year? Yeah. So counties, it's a story in the Telegraph. Um, several counties have reported lower than usual take-up, while ticket sales for the 100 are going well in comparison. Um, That'll go down well in the size. Yeah. I, th- I think part, part of the issue, I think we've talked about it before, is that how packed the blast schedule is um got more how much cheaper the tickets are uh, how much more marketing has been done yeah i mean all, a lot all of, of there's a lot there's a lot of factors that, that contribute to that a lot and a lot of them are things that the counties mm. were very concerned about at the, at the outset yeah, yeah. Um, and also with last summer people were starved of watching live sport so i don't yeah. think having you, the two going well at the same time you make is it, an accurate predictor and people will make their choice they make their particularly mm. now they'll make their budgetary choices won't they they'll look at it and go okay well do we do, are we going to go and watch three four of these in may or are we going to hold off maybe do a couple of couple of hundred games in the in the height of summer when the kids are on holiday and you know at the moment people people are making sport is not immune to um to the, the effects of, of, of people feeling everything in their wallets at the moment. And, so yeah, and, it's, and on, it's, on top of that, it's the way the schedule works because it's in such a short space of time. You've got counties that are either on the road or counties that are hosting, say, three games in five or six days. And people are going to be like, well, I might go to one or possibly two. They're not going to three games in five or six days. So that is obviously going to have a massive impact. It's going to have a massive impact here at Surrey. Surrey, to be honest, can suck it up because they're a big club and they're obviously very wealthy compared to, to a lot of the rest. Other counties, that this is their lifeblood. I know they're getting the payoff from the 100 for the for the time being. That's got to be a concern, right? Because it's not just the money. It's you, you might start to lose some of those fans over time as well. Whereas if you could go to a home game, I don't know, maybe three home games over two weeks, that's a much more appealing uh, proposition than just ramming it all into kind of five or six days and then they come back and then it's another five or six days where they play three games. It's it's clearly not set up for the blast. It's clearly set up for everything else. 
and that's nev- in- inevitably going to have a negative impact mm. on the competition. And, and tickets aren't that cheap. Like thirty-five quid for some some counties is is the cheapest adult ticket. That's quite a lot of money for just an evening. I know that some county counties, Surrey, Joe, I think you said Warwickshire as well, have kids in for a Kid quid. For a quid. They launched which is great, I think a lot of counties do that yeah. now. Uh, elsewhere, India named a T20I squad this week. Dinesh Kartik is back after three years out of the international setup. Umran Malik and Arshdeep Singh are both in the squad for the first time. And in their test squad, Cheteshwar Pajara is back uh, for India's one-off test against England later in the summer. Um, Bangladesh are currently playing Sri Lanka in a test series. The first test was drawn. It never came that close to a result, but Angela Matthews scored more than half of Sri Lanka's first innings runs with 199 out of 397. Hundreds for Mushfika and Tamim in that first test. In the second, which is happening as we speak, uh, Bangladesh had an amazing first innings comeback. They were 24 for five before Mushrika and Lytton Das put on 270 for the sixth wicket. Mushrika scored 175 not out. Das scored 141. There were six ducks in the innings and the third top score was 15. So needed those runs. Um, Lytton Das has a really good recent record that might have gone under the radar a little bit. He averages over 50 across his last 13 test matches. He's got a good record against good teams as well and averages over 40 while keeping wicket. Niche point. Um, that scorecard, uh, do you remember, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. In, in <laughs> India 1983, World Cup, Zimbabwe, India were 20 for five, just as Bangladesh were 20 for five here. And uh, Kapil Dev came out and made 175 not out. Tunbridge Wells. Tunbridge Wells, just as Mushfika has done here. Just struck me. Visually, it struck me. Admittedly, he, didn't, he wasn't back with Litton Das. He also made 141. Well, a couple, couple of questions to finish off the show. Uh, Prash asks, what's your favourite stat in the game? That. That one. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've noted down three. Uh, do you want them all? Uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. It's a shame Ben's not here. I think he would appreciate them most. But, um, all right. Do you know the one about Alex Stewart? Butch, does that ring any bells? It says something about his, his average and something else are this, exactly the same. So it's his test runs tally is 8,463 and his date of birth is the 8th of April, 1963. Uh, didn't I put down on the WhatsApp that if anyone does the Stewie, then it's an automatic one-month ban? Didn't I, didn't I put that down? You, 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 again, you, again, I'm not on the WhatsApp group. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if you did, I missed it. I did. It'd be yeah, quite so, funny so if I saw out, it and did for it. a month. Anyone anyway. who does the Stewie... That, that's All right, well, but let, let but me, let's let me hear your other two. Let's hear your other two. Um, Tendulkar and Lara both reached 10,000 test runs in their 195th innings. Exactly the same. That's nice. Like that one. That's <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm not doing one of these. And then, um, <laughs> well, you're going to complain this is going to be well known, but it's your favourite. It's not like your weirdest. Go on. All right, fine. Um, first ever test match, 1877, MCG, yeah, England, freak, Australia. Freak. Uh, Australia won by 45 runs. They have a centenary test 100 years later, as is tradition. Uh, same teams, same venue. It's exactly the same result. Australia win by 45 runs. Yeah. Free key. Good stuff. Good freaky. stuff. Yeah. Um, do you want mine? Yeah. Uh, I think you might like this one. So, <laughs> Butch looks sceptical. <laughs> so across, across Graham Hicks' ODI career, <laughs> no English spinner took more ODI wickets at a better average than him. So he took 30 ODI wickets at 34. The only bowler to take more was Croft, and I think took 45, but that was a higher average. So over across that 11-year period, Hick was statistically England's best ODI spinner. 
but I don't think Butch Mike did like that. Silence. Shut <laughs> <laughs> Earth shattering that. <laughs> I told you we needed Ben for this. Yeah. We- Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, have you got any? No. No, I forgot to look them up. I, I always thought it was poetic that Atherton and Stewart played the 100th tests together. I think Old Trafford, maybe? Yeah, it was Old Trafford, yeah. yeah. Were you playing? 2000. Uh, obviously, Ather's nicked off and Stewie made 100. I think on the Queen's birthday, dedicated to the Queen. Of course he did. No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, another question, uh, Tim asks, is Kane Williamson's IPL 2022 the worst cricket performance in a series or competition of this century or perhaps ever? I ask this not in a Kane bash, but in a hopefully humorous opportunity to reflect on previous unfortunate seasons for cricketers. What, what are the numbers? So w- Williamson, according to all the CrickViz, CrickInfo metrics, is basically having the second worst IPL season on record. I reckon, isn't that only sort of dependent on what your expectations are for the for the bloke? You know, I'm sure there are other, I'm sure there are really bad players that have had really bad seasons, but nobody pays any attention. Lots of them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you know, because it's hit, because it's gain, it kind of it sticks out more. Have you had any? Did you, did you even have a, an absolute shocker? In the IPL, yeah, yeah, I had a couple of bad IPLs. <laughs> Not your commentary. <laughs> <laughs> you played in the IPL, you wouldn't be sitting here. A couple of really bad IPLs. Um, or, or a teammate well, no, that's gone you, through an absolute shocker you, that you have because you tend to get dropped, don't you? I mean, you kind of like you tend to you get put out of your misery, misery before it becomes like terminal. But in county cricket, I think you can have a really good, really bad year, and there's not really the resources necessarily. I think, so. I, might, I, think I might have scored. I might have made six ducks over the course of a weekend playing for Cheam on Saturday Sundays. How do you get six? <laughs> what because of Saturday and Sunday you played both two days. Three, yeah. You play three games on each day. No, you play two games. You play a game on Saturday, a game on Sunday. Then the week later, you play oh, a game yeah. on Saturday, a game on Sunday. I think I think I might have made six on the bounce. Nice in club cricket. Nice no, class. That is real class. Very Obviously, good. Mark War Audi made four yeah. four ducks in a row. <laughs> four. Agarka, he's got a record. Was it six six ducks in a row? Oh, Nathan Gilchrist uh, yes. recently. Ken the magazine, right? Yeah. He equaled the world record for ducks. First class ducks in a row, wasn't it? Yeah, six. six. Uh, I, think, I think Greg Chappell might have, might have got five in a row. Or I think something. quite a few have had six. So really? Chappell might have been one of those, possibly. Um, Bangladesh's Ebadot Hussain, before he had that match winning test against New Zealand, was statistically the worst yeah. test cricketer ever. So he averaged, <laughs> he averaged after about 13 test matches, averaged less than, I want to say less than one with a bat, but it might have been less than two but averaged 88 with a ball over 13 test matches. Oof, but oof. he's now won a test match against yeah. the World Test Champions away from home. One of the classics. So, exactly, exactly. Um, um, unless you've got any more, we can call time on today's episode. I thought you were going to seg into the best ever season then talk about your performance on, on Saturday. Oh, beautifully but, done, Joe. Well done, Joe. Well done, Joe. Or maybe they can just check out your Twitter account. So. Almost uh, there. I've not, I've not actually tweeted about this one, but seven overs, uh, four maidens, three for four in a, in a good win with top of the league. Um, yeah. At the moment, when, I, when I'm running into bowl, just before I run into bowl at the moment, a lot you of my teammates... You just know it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's, there's, more focus, there's, there's more focus on possible podcast content from my cricket, from my teammates than previously. Nice. So there's a lot of uh, make this your moment of the week, Yaz, and, and all that as I come into bowl. Um, oh, and, I, and you're feeding I, off that. What bants? <laughs> I, I, was caught, I was caught at deep cover a year or two ago and the bloke ran past me and said, put that in your fucking magazine. <laughs> 
Good that you read the magazine, though. I'm actually quite encouraged by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Anyway, uh, that is all for today's show. Cheers, Phil. Cheers, Joe. Cheers, but This has been the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. We'll be back next week. Cheers for listening. Podcast Network.